Your first basic needs, they are be- met by this first level of your growth, which is that you have to deal with the Adhi Daivika level. So when we speak of spirituality, first is not really spirituality, first we begin with this level, Adhi Daivika level, fighting with the elements of nature. Then comes Adhi Bhautika level. Fighting with the pain caused to us by other beings. Bhautika means Bhuta. Bhuta does not mean ghost. Bhuta means any living being. So living beings, they cause us trouble. It could be wild animals or it could be less wild but equally irritating things like mosquitoes. Or you have other human beings. Your friends, your enemies so to say. They cause us trouble. It is said of, uh, uh, you know, sometimes some people have remarked like this, Oh Lord, please save me from my friends, I will take care of my enemies. Friends are so difficult to manage, I will take care of my enemies. Enemies are easy, no problem. So, we have at that level also so much of struggle. Our friends sometimes cause us greater degree of uh, problems by their so-called friendship. Anyway, so this also has been, we have tried to solve it. Suppose we are living in, a, in, a, in your house, you have an apartment and somebody brings a huge uh, drum of garbage and puts it in front of your uh, entrance to the house. You have every right to protest, say, get out from here. Now how do you say I should get out from here? No, municipal corporation rules say this. So we have found municipal corporation, we have found law, we have found so many things to protect our interests. We have police. We have military, we have hundreds of uh, security agencies or parliaments or things to have a proper understanding and live so that we don't cause harm to others and others don't cause harm to us. So this is Adibhotika level. So Adidaivika level and Adibhotika level. But there are other problems which are not caused by elements of nature, which are not caused by other living beings. But these are the problems which we cause or this is the pain that we cause to ourselves by ourselves. Our understanding, our way of looking at things, our attitude, everything seems to create a problem. This level is known as the Adhyatmika level. So when we are speaking of (coughs) spirituality from a young man's perspective, it means this, that we are dealing with the Adhyatmika level, with our own attitude, with our own pain that we cause to ourselves. In the Bhagavad Gita it said, Sri Krishna mentions that there are four types of seekers, four types of people who seek God or seek spirituality. Now. Adhyatmika level and God, how they are related, we will come to that. First, let us see these four levels, with four types which Sri Krishna speaks of. First, he says, are called Artha. In Sanskrit, the Artha means one who is in deep crisis, he is in distress. Various reasons. He could be in distress because maybe 
tomorrow is, is his exam and he has not prepared anything so he prays to god oh lord please help me let all those questions whose answers i know may come others may not come or he says oh lord please uh, see that something happens it gets postponed or some divine source i will know all the answers i should know it i should write it so that is the first level he may be going to temple he may take some offering there he may offer some flowers and please pray that's all fine this one level here or he may be suffering some have some uh, serious health trouble and uh, he is praying to god please help me you know you go to the hospital these days many hospitals have got a small temple in the in the campus vicinity because when everything else fails <coughs> why not we pray to god why not we seek his help so or it could be that you are <coughs> gone to a distant place where there is no car or no bus to return and is lonely there you are in a crisis you are in a difficult situation there you go to a go on a trekking somewhere and you lost your way and you are in the jungle you maybe climb up the tree if you know how to do the climbing and spend your night but you are praying all your night this is distress level artha i am in great trouble then artharthi artharthi means one who wants to solve his problems of life they are not crises but they are problems for example he doesn't have a good house to live in so he prays oh lord please give me all that is required to get a good apartment or a good bungalow so that i can go and live peacefully there may all my things be taken care of or maybe i am having some kind of a case may i win the case or maybe that i want to solve some worldly problem maybe those who are doing phd you know i am not progressing in my research please help me <laughs> or somebody is writing say cat may i get a, get through it or some exam so i maybe i want some job in life so i must get that job i get a big package those who are preparing for the placements i should a good package i must get this i this he is wanting some worldly or some day to day need to be fulfilled it is not crisis but he wants it to be fulfilled it could be money it could be wealth it could be fame it could be solving some situation some material benefit so that is called <coughs> the artharthi that most of the people 90% of the people are in this level and if you say that there is a next level and if one of you tries to speak or understand life from that level you will find others will look at you at us as kans you know they will look oh what happened to him what happened why is he reading this why is he listening to these lectures they will first they may in fact ridicule you a person who goes to the next level it is called the jignasu level gyatum ichchati iti jignasu gyatum he wants to know what is god what is life he wants to know what is the purpose of this life he wants to know who himself he is and what is what are others also what is the real truth about human beings so he is a jignasu he wants to know god he wants to know there are in philosophy there are only three issues in any philosophy in the world one is man that is a human being god and the universe only these three issues will be there in any philosophy in the world so what is a human being essentially 
from where he comes, where he goes, why there are differences in human beings, why there is differences in their life patterns, different events happening in their life, why they happen, etc. And the world in which we live, with which we interact, which influences us and which we influence, and if there is a power which manages both of us, the world and us, what is that nature of the power, the creative power? So there is a questioning which has started and he wants, he is approaching God, he is approaching spiritual uh, path or spiritual wisdom with this idea. The third type, Jignyasu. So Artha is distressed, Artharthi is needy and the Jignyasu is the seeker. He is a spiritual seeker. He is trying to solve it, the problem of life, the problem of he has some crisis in life which led to it. It happens. Some very close, very dear one, he dies. Maybe in an accident or through some disease. So the question comes, why? Where did he go? What happened to him? Swami Vivekananda gave <coughs> a number of lectures in London uh, in 1895. They are known as the Yoga lectures. So in one of the lectures he, he has spoken about this. Is called, that lecture is called The Real and Apparent Man. The Real and Apparent Man. And there he mentions this. As long as death stalks this earth, man will not stop asking the question, is this real? I thought my friend was real, but now he's not there. Where is he gone? So death poses a big question, what is real? What is unreal? So maybe that reason that a person came to that or maybe sometimes it is also said that a person comes to Jignasu level because he is very sharp, his intellect is very sharp. Now by sharp, I, there is a, again we should try to understand that, by being sharp doesn't mean solving some physics problem or chemistry problem or biology or Sanskrit or this that, no. That's one type of use of the way we put intelligence. There's another way we put the intelligence and that is when he sees through the reality of life. Now what is all this? I do this and then I one day I'll become old and die like Buddha did this. Now Buddha, he was protected from all misery by his father because his father was told by some astrologer that you will not be, your son will become a monk. So he said let uh, this idea of monk comes only when a person has got you know, some kind of dejection in life possibly. So he should not be given to any, uh, no exposure should be done to anything which is negative to him. All things should be happy. They said for nearly 28 years of life, or 27 years of his life, he never knew what misery is. Possibly he never felt sick also. And he had two palaces, one for the summer, one for the winter. And he used to just play, never go out. And all the time music and all the time things which are very nice. And it's only when the, the time came, 27th year or so, when he decided, let me see what's my uh, people outside. Let me go and see. Because slowly his father was becoming old and then he may have to become the king. So he wanted to know what his kingdom or the people are subjects in the kingdom are. When he went there, he saw these three things or four things and that changed his life. He saw an old man. He said, what happened to this man? He had never seen an old man. 
Oh, he's bent with age. Oh, age. Yes, your holiness, your highness, you also will become old one day. He was taken aback. But he was very sharp. His intellect was very sharp. And then he saw somebody who was lying on the bed and suffering. And what happened to him? He is ill, he is sick. What is sickness? This is a body condition. He may, he may die. Die? What is death? Then they saw somebody carrying a dead body. Now what is this? The dead. Oh, death. It comes to all. Now it comes to all. There is no exception to that. It is you know, said humorously, even uh, taken, uh, if you take the, even the divine incarnations as human beings, even they have also given up their body. What about us? And Krishna also gave up his body, Rama also gave up his body. We believe that they are the divine level, but what about us? Where will we go? From where, where we have come? So this kind of questioning is sharp intellect. You know Shankaracharya's famous uh, um, verse, Bhajagovindam Moodhmate. Bhajagovindam Bhajagovindam Govindam Bhajamoodhmate. Unfortunately there are some people who don't understand Sanskrit, who don't understand spiritual tradition either. So they say Shankaracharya is telling Oh Moodhmate, you are worshipping Govinda. Imagine this. It has the meaning. What is this person is trying to say is that only though those who worship God they are actually dull-headed. It's the other way. It's the other way around. You are not uh, sharp-headed. That is where you are not worshipping the Lord. Please worship the Lord, Moodhmate. It's kind of a scolding. Oh Moodhmate. Oh fool. It's not saying the other way around. Anyway, they are sharp-headed. What is that sharpness? You find this in Nachiketa's life or Nachiketa's example in the Kathopanishad. He's a young man. You know, so many people have translated a Nachiketa's story into English now. Many foreigners have done, many Americans. They feel very fascinated by that story. He's a young boy. He sees his father is donating all the cows as part of the yajna. And all very old cows. And they cannot give milk. They are good for nothing. And yajna means you should do in a right royal way and give good things. Why? This is, the, this is not the way of uh, donations. Example, some people want to donate that which they don't want to donate. It's not the way of donation. There's discarding. When you give donation, then you, have should, you should do it with some respect. Suppose you want to donate some shirt to somebody, wash it properly and give it. Now you have used it for 10 days, it is smelling bad, you throw it, they have donated. That's not donation. <laughs> so you have to give it in a right royal way. Anything that you give, that is called donation. So when he saw his father doing this, it is said that in his mind, Shraddha entered. This is the first step towards spirituality. That Shraddha enters the heart. Shraddha, Avivesha. And when Shraddha enters, what happens? A person becomes respectful. He goes to his father, Nachiketa goes to his father. He doesn't quarrel with him. He only asks him, Father, you are giving away all things to uh, people. I am also belonging to you. To whom will you give to me? I am also your object, your possession. Father doesn't answer. So he asks him again. Twice, thrice when he asks him. Father becomes angry. He says, you go to hell. You go to, we say, go to hell. He says, go to Yamaraja. Which means you die. And the boy goes to Yamaraja. He doesn't uh, disregard his father's wish. He says, first he says, what is there? Ask me not dis- uh, no, take his father, my father's words seriously. But then he says, no, I should not do that. This word, after all, 
is based on some moral principles so i must follow what my father has said and it is said that he goes there and he the story of uh, his conversation with the uh, yamaraja is very inspiring so vivekananda used to say all should read kathopanishad it is one of the simplest of all upanishads and just 120 verses are there we have number of translations from our much itself we have i think five or six translations so shraddha enters and then change comes you shraddha shraddha cannot be translated the word shraddha swami ji says in famous lectures it has many things in it it's a very loaded term shraddha includes faith shraddha includes respect shraddha includes humility shraddha has a sense of courage also this boy got courage he goes and asks his father it's a courage otherwise he'll shy away from his father but he goes and asks him. so you go and ask some teacher that's the shraddha you have a respect for that because we want to know what's the reality of behind it the first step for spirituality is shraddha even otherwise you see um, swami ranganathan used to quote this that suppose a person has to do a scientific experiment if he has to do that he should have some hypothesis which he believes for time being if he doesn't believe in that he cannot carry on his experiment he may he may try to prove it wrong that's a different issue but for time being he has to believe in something now there is a in shraddha you find a very fine combination of both rational thinking and faith in rational thinking we say we should question everything but you know one of our thinkers used to say uh, you may a uh, question everything but there are certain things which you will have to accept if you don't do it it's just like having a sword with no handle a sword some portion should be there which should be rough you can hold it don't question it so in our thinking also there's something you take for granted then only you will have peace of mind you can carry on further you can carry on your research you have to believe in something and and this is called truth level you come to it you know, shraddha has entered we believe in it we are not asking about blind belief or believe in it don't don't question do question but with the idea of finding out the truth idea of reaching at a level where things become clear to us so shraddha is to be seen that angle so we first we said there are three levels the art, the level of uh, adhi daivika adhi bhautika adhyatmika then we said there are four types three we have spoken of jignasu that is artha artharthi jignasu and the fourth one is known as gyani why does he seek god he finds nothing else worth seeking we read today in swami ji's letter thou art my everything i am yours and you are mine he this is the level of a gyani that i want nothing else because nothing else is worth except that but we can say this but do we really believe in the uh, depths of our hearts it doesn't come so easily so it is said in the gita that when a person has done through the worldly experiences he comes to that level he has seen through all this he has that intelligence so to say he reaches there so then he thinks of what we call as in the indian tradition in the sanatana dharma tradition this is very much emphasized and the mystic tradition of all religions not a theology <coughs> if you saw the theology means you know theories about god theories about so many things not there 
In those theories there will be problem. But when it comes to mystical experience, be it Christianity, be it Islam, be it any religion, we come to the same point. And in Sanatana Dharma we have lot of mysticism involved and they say the purpose of spirituality is vision of God. When we say vision of God, so you see, they, then you mean, mean this, you have uh, an eye and that gives you vision. So will this give, same eye give me the vision of God? He said it's not this, it is a state of mind that matters. Even if you may have the eye, but you may not see something if, the, if your mind is not focused. Suppose your mind is very inattentive, very, fo- very uh, devoid of focus and very restless. Even though you may see a tree before you, you may not see it as a tree, some object. To recognize something, there should be certain condition required. So it's not just I, but the mind behind it, which is very important. I is also important. And the external I and the nervous, the nerve center inside the brain, which makes the I see, and the mind, these three together make a complete perception of an object. Now, when you speak of God vision, it means what? means that I must develop that state of mind which will be conducive to my perception of God. And to develop that, there are four pillars, you know, spoken of generally in all religions. The first is that you should have belief in divinity. It is called in Sanskrit as Astikya Buddhi. Astiti, that there is some truth, just now we spoke of Shraddha. Some Shraddha you should have first of all. Even to come to this point of Shraddha, sometimes it takes a long time. What happens, our mind is very much conditioned by a lot of arguments, which we have heard from different people, people who are very mature, people whose whole world view is very materialistic, or people whose uh, uh, understanding is full of uh, some worldly desires. So we have heard arguments from all that and they have found place in our minds. So we want to clear it off and then come to a level of Shraddha. Sometimes it takes long time. But it is a very nice thing that there are so many people have thought about this. And Swami Vekanda's works you find plenty of it. Swamiji refers to these people as materialists or utilitarians. He uses the word utilitarian. Now and then you will find this word coming in his lecture. There are utilitarians. They ask what is the utility of this? What is the utility of spirituality? What is the utility of meditation? So you are utilitarians. And Swamiji has gone into the you know, uh, details of it. says, utilitarianism is not the way of life. It will take away all the sublime things from your life if you just become a utilitarian. So finally we clear it off and reach a state which is, maybe I have not fully cleared off my, my understanding. I still have doubts. I still am the, on, the, on the fence. I have not really jumped into Shraddha or the idea of Shraddha. I can still start my spiritual life from there. But anyway, the first thing is that I have a positive feeling that there is some truth beyond the senses. Beyond this word of body, mind, there is some truth. What is that I do not know. Whether it is there also I do not know, but I feel there is. There is some Shraddha. This is the first thing. Second thing, once you do it, once you have that faith, you start practicing certain disciplines, especially prayer and repetition of God's name. This is what we say you have gone, gone into the spiritual life. You see, <coughs> mind is a creature of habits. 
it lives on habits it wants habits so if you want to have a calm mind you will have to have a certain discipline in your mind suppose a person says oh you know my little humble experience with our young friends here or elsewhere is this question is invariably asked my mind is very restless i am not getting concentration i am feeling very difficult how to how to come out of it and you find most of the cases they do not have any regularity in their life no sense of uh, uh, moderation in their life so one of us swamiji used to make fun you know say one young man came to him and said swamiji um, how can i have uh, concentration of mind so he would ask him so tell me um, how much you really study every day he said no it's not definite and uh, half an hour one hour two hour it depends on so many factors then he said uh, how much tv do you see he said nothing definite it depends again some good movie i may see till 1 o'clock i may sleep at 10:30 and so uh, when do you eat he said nothing definite whenever i feel hungry i just go and just grab something and eat then uh, said he asked a number of question and everything he will end by saying nothing definite then our sabhi said as far as your concentration of mind is concerned nothing is definite <laughs> because you don't have the basic thing called discipline if you lack it you will not have calmness of mind you just try it you just try that you bring certain uh, control over your life see our mind is as much pure as much disciplined so much is our mind concentrated a simple fact of life as much pure the mind is and as much it is kept within certain control by our regulated living so much will be your mind will be your good friend you might say oh there are times i have to get up very early and i have to go let's say catch the train at uh, 5:30 in the morning then what about my discipline once in a while if you leave your routine doesn't matter but please follow some routine see traditionally it was always said you get up early in the morning now the word early has to be defined one person called me once and said today i got up very early at what time 8 o'clock <laughs> so you have to define what is early generally they said if you get up little early especially before the sun rises it helps you in concentrating the mind it helps you but then again be fair as our mind is a wonderful mischievous boy with us mischievous something with ha ah, yes i get up at 5:30 just uh, half an hour before the sunrise after 5 minutes i sleep again <laughs> please don't do that when you get up means you get up so our mind has to be handled properly so first thing we said that you should have uh, some shraddha belief in divinity divinity that there is some divinity and that is present in us also in others also and second some form of uh, prayer some form of sitting quietly meditation now meditation has become a buzzword everybody wants to uh, speak of a lot of medical advice also comes that you should meditate it's good but then it is something more than that but if you want to meditate you have to prepare for it you cannot simply or oh, today i am not feeling all right so i'll go and meditate it's like having a headache so i should go and have some pill so let me go and meditate. 
maybe you can meditate for 5 minutes, 10 minutes. We will not be able to do it on a real uh, valuable way. If you want to do it, you will have to make a habit out of it. So, it is said that if you go to Varanasi early in the morning, you will find on the banks of Varanasi many people sitting and doing some japa, eh, repeating, repeating God's name. Maybe they are repeating Gayatri Mantra or they are repeating uh, uh, some Rama Mantra or just they are simply repeating Om. Why do they do it? That helps in disciplining the mind. That strengthens your willpower. So willpower strengthening, see the recently uh, after I, I had an occasion to speak on this subject and I came out, one gentleman asked me, Oh, you spoke of uh, training the willpower. Is there any course for that? Everybody wants a course, you know, paid. I must pay for it, I must make a form. This is the course. Get up every day morning and repeat God's name for 10 minutes. This is the course. And you must have seen your own mothers, your fathers, your grandmothers doing it. This has been in our culture. We do not know the, you know, uh, the rational behind it. We don't understand, oh, they are doing some religious thing. In India, in the, in the Hindu tradition, these three things have not been separated. What are these three things? Psychology, philosophy, religion. In the western world, it has been separated. So, if a person is a psychologist, he need not speak about spiritual life, spirituality. And one who is a religious man, he should not speak of psychology. There are different departments in the, in the universities. And philosophy, well, philosophy, you can think so many things and go on talking. It's all, you know, intellectualization of life. But in India, that is not a tradition. The tradition is, if you want to know the truth, which is philosophy. Philosophy means you want to know some truth. You should have right state of mind, and that is psychology. And in order to put that into practice, you should take to some practices, and that is religion. So all three are interrelated. You cannot separate them. There is so much of study of mind which took place in India more than 2000 years back. And when did the study of mind start in the West? It all started 150 or 200 years back. It's very new science there. When Swamiji went to the West, he saw that. He said, oh, it is just started here. They do not know much about mind. But of course, afterwards we had the Sigmund Freud and others who have contributed a lot to some form of psychology, but not to this higher form of psychology which we are speaking of. Maybe it will take some time. But unfortunately, most of our psychologists trained professional psychologists have got their training only in the western psychology. They don't recognize at all the Indian psychology, the yoga psychology. They do not even give a credence to that. Now of course a little change is happening. So there is psychology which is very much into religious practices and behind that there is a philosophy. So all three are interrelated. The second thing. Third thing that uh, about spiritual life, which is the pillar of the spiritual life, is self-control. A person who is living spiritual life has better self-control, better calmness of mind, better ability to overcome anger. See, anger will come to us. There is no one in this world who will not have occasions to become angry. But a man with some spiritual training can see through his anger overcome it. He is seeing, you know, as if an attacker is coming. You are standing here and you see some person who is going to attack me is coming. He can see, see anger is coming from that distance. 
he can turn his face and go away also. It actually happens it. It's not uh, just a, an imaginary, imaginary imagery. It's not saying. It's actual thing. You see the anger coming. Oh, you see that situation, that person, it is now going to cause me anger. I turn my face away and say, no, I'm not going to become angry. That happens if you take to spiritual practices in a right earnest. But keep that very clear in mind what Swamiji says in this uh, letter. Don't touch anything even with your toe which is uncanny, secretive. Anything that weakens you, anything that makes you feel some mysterious thing, don't do that. It should be open, free and it should be beyond all secrecy. That's very important. Nothing uncanny. Nothing uncanny. There may be something sacred. Maybe something, a spiritual mystery is there. That's a different thing. We may not be able to put in the words now, but there's nothing secretive. Hey, don't do this. Something secretly I will do. No, no. Don't be secretive. Many times people have financial irregularities. They are not transparent. So they cover up and they call it spirituality. No, no, you should not discuss all this. Oh, it's all. What is there? Money comes. If money is there, Swami Vivekananda used to say, if you get donations, you must account for it, how you have spent it. And with for what account you have spent it. Show it to us. You should be transparent in your dealings. There should be integrity in whatever you do it. I was so happy when I went to one temple, a traditional temple in Maharashtra some years back. Outside the temple, you know, every month, whatever they get, they count it and they write it. Thousand rupees, so many notes. Five hundred rupees, so many notes. Down to twenty-five paisa. This transparency and how we have spent it. So that is very important. This all comes when you have self-control. Anger, greed, jealousy, lust. These things have to be controlled. How do we control? By turning towards God. So there is a big problem. People ask, how do I overcome my lustful tendencies? Don't try to control them too much. Turn towards God. They will automatically get controlled. If you walk towards the east, West will be automatically left behind. You don't have to say, oh, I am going to leave West, I am going to leave West. You walk towards the East. So turn towards your inner life, all other things will become less uh, severe. Fourth pillar is service. The first pillar, as I said, Shraddha. Second pillar is meditation or Japa or prayer. And the third pillar is self-control and the fourth pillar is service. Now, service is the name for anything that is noble and sublime in us. You don't have to even sometimes be a traditionally spiritual person, but you could be very near to God. You may not be even doing your meditation, <coughs> you may not be even going to temple, you could be still very spiritual. You could be still very much close to God. Why? Because you have developed unselfishness. Unselfishness is God. You see Buddha, his example, even the most uh, fanatical of atheists will stand in awe and reverence before Buddha. What unselfish character. So unselfishness is what really makes a person spiritual. So this gets expressed or it finds its expression in service. When you do service, it can be at different levels. 
it could be that you do physically you do service to others maybe somebody is sick you go and help him you know one of our uh, one very interesting booklet is there those who have got chance they can read it it's called its title of the book is you will be a paramahamsa a small booklet maybe less than 100 pages or maybe 70 pages it is written by one of our monks he was in our center in boston and used to actually like regularly take classes in harvard university as a hindu chaplain for the hindu students there and in his younger days he was in haridwar our ashram is there he had lived with two of our very great monks so this book contains his reminiscences about those two monks these monks were told they were both were swami vivekananda's disciples so one of them swami nichayananda ji and kalyanananda ji so kalyanananda ji was told by swami vivekananda that you go to haridwar in those days of haridwar now things have changed now a big hospital by government also has come and there was no medical facility whatsoever absolutely for monks swami ji had seen with his own eyes that sometimes monks are lying unattended by the roadside nobody to look after them and they die so swami ji said you go and do some service and he said you go and he was from bengal he said forget about bengal and he never went back to bengal because swami ji has told that and he went there and he did seva how he would actually serve people he'll no first monks and then others also and it it would mean that you have when a person is sick you have to take care of all his needs including his toilet needs and he would be helping in that so the traditional monks used to call that swami ji and other than swami ji as bhangi swami the word bhangi means a sweeper so sweeper monks they do sweepers work he never cared he swami ji has told me to serve others i will do that absolute faith unquestionable shraddha <coughs> but in due course people began to see the philosophy and the spirit behind what he was doing and uh, they recognized it and there are several instances in that little book you can get like those of you who want we can get that for you you can make a uh, let us know your names we'll get that book is idea about service now you may not be having that okay you can do service in some other way maybe you run, uh, make a small organization or maybe you, you you are now earning you earn quite a good sum you make a trust and uh, help people who are uh, searching for some tuition fee in the society there will be always some people who are in need always so you have some some such thing or maybe you give a free tuition to somebody some of of service so there is physical service intellectual service then there is spiritual service that is you help people understand life better through philosophy through living your own life first be an example before you teach others so there is different levels of service it's not actually about money people think oh moment we say uh, service where is the money i have it's not about money it's about attitude what is your attitude through that everything will come you will get time first of all again other question where is the time i have got so many things to attend to if you have an attitude you will get time out from where you will get i do not know but you will get it you will get time to do something so um, one of our monks was traveling in train 
there was uh, one gentleman sitting next to him and he became curious and uh, he asked him so you are is it yes we are monks yes swami ji uh, yes so how much uh, salary you get <laughs> he said uh, i'll give you an answer hmm. you will listen to me fully uh, yes hmm. what are you doing he said i am so and so after finishing your work where will you go i'll go home so there at home who are the people their wife is there two children are there so children what do you do for them they go to school what do you do for them so we i see i earn money for them morning i make them ready i make the school bag ready i make the child ready for school and she makes the tiffin box ready and comes back helping in homework then he said are you paid for all this and no why should i be paid for it similarly when we are doing service to others you are all our own that is why we are doing we don't need salary for that then you understood that's the point all the thing all the things cannot be measured in terms of salary and money and perks there are things beyond that so at different levels we can do the service it could be in point is attitude suppose you don't harm somebody that's also a form of service suppose some young little boy comes to you he has just uh, done some uh, maybe he spoke in the public the first time in the school he wants to say this you encourage that little child to that's also service don't at that i don't have time you go please be kind to him that's also service one little fellow wants to know something about uh, uh, say about spirituality don't tell him oh spirituality all these are old people these all the swamis and you don't talk all you be happy give him his version of spirituality what is his version of spirituality? you study well be strong always have faith in yourself give him his version of spirituality each one needs spirituality at different levels in fact swami ji used to say that my purpose in life is to give everyone to to prove it that spirituality is the very core of everything in life it is searching for the transcendental source of our being so these four pillars which i just now discussed belief in oneself or shraddha belief in god then some spiritual practices like prayer japa <coughs> then third self control and the fourth service anything that is noble anything that is uh, good finally ends in service the test of whether you really believe in something will come in service but in service again we should have head heart and hand together not only heart but head also how to do service you have money you should not go and pour it in some drain it should go to the right person right place deshe kale patrecha says the gita right person it should go to money is valuable it should not be wasted like that it should not go to a drunkard it should go to the right person well these four pillars are there of the spirituality what are the signs that i am growing spirituality spiritually you might ask there are three signs first you will be becoming more peaceful more calm more serene that's a very sure sign that you are growing spiritually people say oh spiritually if i am growing maybe some light will start coming some bulb will come because we have seen pictures like that 
and uh, I dress differently, I speak differently or uh, uh, once I met somebody, I asked him, please come for a cup of coffee. No, no, I am very spiritual, I don't take coffee. <laughs> what kind of spirituality is that? You know, Swamiji was passing through a place, a jungle where there was a couple in the forest. They were a forest officer and Swamiji was their guest. guest. They were very much pleased by Swami. They didn't have any children, so Swamiji became like a child for them. He stayed for some days with them. And when he was leaving, you know, uh, that they wanted that Swamiji should in initiate them into Mantra Diksha. Swamiji did that. And uh, next, uh, after a day or two, he was to leave. This forest officer, he had some, uh, you know, some kind of a doubt and he went to Swamiji and said, Swamiji, you have asked me that I should get up in the morning and repeat this mantra 108 times. But morning, I have got the habit of taking tea. Should I take it or should I stop it? Then Swamiji said, I don't believe in a spirituality which can be washed away by a cup of tea. Continue with your tea, don't worry. Have your tea and do your japa also. These are all minor details. There are people who are more bothered about the minor details than about the major details. Minor details are so bothered and they will go to temple, they five times production, four times production and so many namaskar. That's all right. But these people follow all those details and come out and cheat. Go to the shop, they have perhaps he's a shopkeeper, he'll put all kinds of prizes, he will do holding, he will do <coughs> all kinds of uh, unethical practices. Is this spirituality? So just a static religiosity is not spirituality. Static religious. We go and break coconuts. Yes, good, nothing bad. It has got its own purpose. But ha is it helping you to become truly peaceful? A person who is cheating others cannot be peaceful. There is a fear in his mind. So the first uh, sign of spiritual growth is that you are becoming truly peaceful. It also means that you are able to face situations of life with much greater calm and strength. Please remember it is not very easy but it is the only way we can uh, know that we are growing spiritually, that we become peaceful. One way is that we hold on to prayer whenever difficulties come. See the Christian tradition is so strong. The, the whole of Christian tradition is based on actually on prayer. Early Vedic period was also completely based on prayers. Completely. If you read through the, uh, the Samhita portion or the Brahmana portion of the Vedas, full of prayers, so many types of prayers. Many of them are actually selfish prayers. Oh Lord, please give me this cot, give me this bungalow, give me this. All selfish prayers. But there is prayer. They of course, later on they come out and they say, I don't want, we come to Asatoma, Sadgamai type of prayer. That they take me from darkness to light and from untruth to truth. So that is a peacefulness. Second, that you are growing spiritually is that you are becoming more unselfish. There is a test. Now unselfishness, it doesn't mean that I all the times, you know, I put up on board here, I am unselfish. No. You just, uh, your day-to-day -day life, small little things will come to know how much unselfish you are. There are, you need not, you know, give a lecture on unselfishness to prove that you are unselfish. Your day-to-day -day life will prove it. The best examples are our own mothers at home. You will find why we respect mother. See, a woman in India is respected because she is mother. And why? Because she is unselfish. For the sake of the child, she does so many things. She undergoes so many difficulties. 
it is this sacrifice which sanctifies the motherhood so maybe she has to get up early in the morning to make the child go to the school this is also a sacrifice now you go on expanding this sacrifice sense of sacrifice that is called unselfishness third very important sign of spiritual growth is strength now this is something very special swami ji said if you are really becoming uh, spiritual you are becoming strong physically mentally spiritual be strong he said strength is a real sign that you are spiritually evolved person very strong person he is now by strength is meant that he is having enough mental stamina enough mental strength inner strength to face the situations of life it could come from any source it could be a very personal source or it could be that you are made uh, let's say one of you become the chairman of a big company and there some challenge comes where you have to uh, actually decide between two options and one option is really unethical but there is so much of pressure to follow that uh, option will you have the strength to say no to that if you have strength it means you are spiritual you may not go to temple you may not put any religious mark you may not do any of those external forms but you can still be very spiritual because you have got strength in you so it is strength that matters and the strength is you know manifest through your character through day to day dealings so strength is very important strength of mind and swami ji very much emphasizes physical strength also those of you who have the chance or you can afford if you go to belur math in calcutta there is a room where swami ji lived it is still maintained as if he is still living there in belumat next to the temple there is old building on the first floor is that room where swami ji lived for one and a half years it is in that room that he left his body and it is he liked that room very much he used to stay there he has written a few letters also describing the surroundings of the room in that room you will find even today there are some dumbbells swami ji used to use them he used to do dumbbells strength and we are speaking of strength he would uh, believe in the physical exercise and if you go to the museum where his things are kept you will find many other things which he used to use so he used to insist that all should develop physically also and in his famous lecture in madras he has told that you will be nearer to heaven by playing football than by reading gita with your muscles more strong you can understand what the message of strength that krishna is giving again please understand it properly he is not saying that don't read gita and play football he <laughs> please read gita also but you will understand gita better when you are physically strong be strong physically physical strength and today you know we uh, very much require that people should be told that you know more and more uh, our life is becoming uh, machine intensive than labor intensive everything is done by machines so what has happened is the physical activity has come down very much so uh, earlier you know washing of the clothes or washing of the dishes everything now because there are economic situations are also are there uh, in a given situation for example a couple they are both busy in uh, earning money when they come home they have no time to do all that so machine helps them it helps them clean water uh, clean clothes better or faster Uh, dishwashing etc there is a different thing we need to be physically active take care of the food that we eat 
take care of uh, rest, exercise and all that. But don't stop at a physical level. Don't become a worshipper of the body only. You have to go beyond that. Mental strength and mental strength comes by holy company, by reading from um, such literature which will strengthen you. It could be the life of a saint or it could be life of any person who has attained greatness in his life. It will strengthen your mind. Because the food of mind is greatness. Thinking about greatness, great acts, great ideas, great examples, that strengthens the mind. If you see only the low kind of things, mind will not become strong. So these are the three characteristics whether you are growing spiritually. Are you becoming unselfish? Are you becoming peaceful inwardly? Are you becoming strong? These are the three characteristics that show whether we are really growing spiritually. If you do your spiritual practices, sometimes you know you may get some experiences or oh, some light and fine. You are not disrespecting that. There is some truth in that. But that is not to be taken as a sign of spiritual growth. That may be some psychic phenomena. If you really want to know, it's a character which is the real test of a person's spiritual growth. So this is how we can look at the issue of spirituality from a young person's perspective. In fact, not only young person, this is applicable to all. Why we have said it is from the young person's perspective? Because young people are more clear. Clear about certain things. They want in in clear terms, this is what spirituality could mean. So, if you have any questions, welcome. not that they go to heaven and settle down there. It's only that uh, they pass through that. Say, if heaven is permanent, then the soul goes there, it should never come back. Heaven is never permanent. In the Gita we find, Krishna referring to it in the ninth chapter, he says that if you do your good actions, punya karma, as a result of it, maximum that you can gain is heaven. In our day to day life also, if you have done lot of things, lot of work, you have got something. All that you can maximum get is heaven. Heaven is a place where all our desires are fulfilled minus the negative side or miseries. For example, a person wants to have food. Plenty of food is available. Here also it's available. But if you take here, you'll get indigestion or diabetes or so many things. There you won't get it. In the description of heaven which is given, it is said that a person is born as a 16 year old person when he is born in the heaven. It means and he remains 16 all his life. You don't become old also. So it's a situation where you are born. But our scriptures when they describe heaven they also say that heaven is a temporary place. Your punyam is like the bank balance which has taken you there. Once the bank balance is over you will come back. So again you will have to start your journey. Why seek heaven? Why not seek something which never goes away? And that is already with us. And it is what is in the Kathopanishad we find this reference. Very clear, beautiful. 
uh, even the heaven description is given the, um, in the Kratopanishad, very short one, but mainly the description is given about Atman. Now, uh, Atman, when we speak of Atman, you should not mean, I have Atma. Everybody is having one Atma. Actually, we don't have many Atmas. There is only one Atman. It is all Jivatman that we have. Jivatman means Atman associated with certain ignorance. That ignorance is what makes us Jivatman. Ignorance that I am small, I am lacking something, I am in need of something. Every desire, at the back of it, there is some lack. I don't have it. What is that? Basically, it is lack for happiness. And by nature or by definition, Atman is Satchidananda. It is full of existence, it never becomes non-existent. It is full of joy also, ananda, and it's full of knowledge. So if we can seek that, then we will uh, um, actually be on the spiritual life path. So Swamiji always said, please read the Upanishads. See, there are uh, Upanishads, then there are the Smritis or Puranas, and then there are Sutras. There are so many sutras is there, or uh, Samhita portion further it comes. In the, it's called a Smriti site. There are two, Shruti and Smriti. Shruti means the Upanishads, eternal truths. And then there is Smriti, which is eternal truths put into life. So this keeps changing. These are all, the Smriti Shastra keeps changing as per the times. It is uh, uh, called Deshachara and Kalachara. Whenever there is any contradiction between the two, between Shruti and Smriti, Shruti is to be taken as more authentic and Smriti is to be said no to it. Because in Shruti there are some truths which cannot be contradicted. But Smriti, say, say if we say our Atman, you are divine, it sounds too very concentrated. So for people you have to tell them in the form of a story. So we have the story, we have in the form of so many Puranas. Ashtadasha Mahapuranas are there, 18 Mahapuranas are there. Not that all are just stories and there is no historicity. There may be some historicity also in that. The point is, this is known as the explanation of eternal truths. If there is any contradiction, always go to the, uh, the Shruti, the Upanishads. And Swamiji again and again said, you want to clarify your mind about the basic tenets of Sanatana Dharma, go to the Upanishads. We'll find no contradiction there and they are very strengthening and a lot of courage and uh, fearlessness you get when you read that. How to develop faith in me and in God? How to develop... Uh, it's not the issue actually. You already have faith. There's no one who doesn't have faith. That you are sitting here isn't it a faith? You are sitting here. You are aware this. this is not going to fall on you. Now, you, if it falls on you, cannot. if you have that fear, if you don't have faith, you will not be sitting here. Faith is there. Now, you go to the canteen. You have complete faith that whatever uh, sambar or whatever things that will be served to you will not have poison in it. Then only you can go and eat it. Faith is natural to human beings. Point is, we have often covered it up with unnecessary imaginations, especially inferiority complex. It's very widespread. It's not just, don't think it is meant for uh, inferiority complex is a concept meant for very young boys or youth. Even many elders suffer from it. 
not many, many many elders suffer from it. What is inferiority complex? I feel inferior. Why? Because somewhere I go on making comparison. Oh, he knows this, I don't know this. He does this, I don't do it. He has this capacity, this achievement, I don't have it. You go on making comparisons. Why make comparisons? Be your own self. Have faith that there is some substance in you. Some sattva, some existence in you which is immortal. It is already there. You know our scriptures say we have three states of our daily life. One is this state, awake. In the awake stage, in the waking state, we are able to see gross things. This book is there, this recorder is there, this glass, you, all the things, whichever our senses can see. Then the second stage is called the stage when we are actually dreaming, dream sleep. In that we see subtler things. That is basically in the mind already. The mind is dreaming. At that time will is not fully controlling the uh, activity of the mind. So mind can take out something which is there in, a, in its hard disk, in its memory and make all kinds of combinations. You might see that, uh, uh, you may not have actually in reality, you may, suddenly you may say Amitabh Bachchan is taking class for you. It can happen in dream. Or uh, Infosys chief is now the president of America. Where is the connection? It can become. In dream anything can become. Because at subtle level, willpower, the controlling thing is not working strong now. And there is a subtler thing, it's called deep sleep. In the deep sleep, you just are not aware of anything. There is no inferiority, no superiority. There is no man, no woman. There is no monk, there is no householder. None of the distinctions, there is neither son, nor father, nor neighbor, nor Indian, nor Pakistani, nothing is there. What are you then? Deep sleep, I am existing. It is said that we go up to that level every day. Without deep sleep, it's called Sushupti in Sanskritam. You cannot actually retain the body. And 10 minutes of such deep sleep is equivalent to hours and hours of dreamful sleep. 10 minutes of it can refresh you so much. Why? Why does it refresh it so much? Because it is said beyond these three states, the fourth stage, which is actually not state, it is. These three are states. What is that? It is. That is your real self, your real being. We call it Atman, we call it Brahman, we call it Divinity. Any number of terms we may use, that is your real being. And that being is full of joy, full of existence. But why we don't experience it then? Why? Because we are in a state of ignorance. What is that ignorance? Identifying ourselves only with the body and mind. I am this body, I am this mind. Nothing more than that. So it's just like, I suppose this glass is there, water is there, I cover it up completely. And uh, let's say, it is, you know, having a, uh, you cannot open it. With this water, I throw this water in, in a clean pond. And suppose this water is not very clean. This will not get mixed with that and that water will not get mixed in that. 
Although it goes into that, it doesn't experience that. Although this glass will go into that water body, it will not have any of the water entering into it. Because it is fully closed. Our state of ignorance is like that. Every day we experience the divinity within. Every day. In the Bhradharanik Upanishad, there is a verse. It says, Upari Upari Gachati Sarve Janaha. Just as, suppose right here, suppose this was not the first floor, this was the ground floor, there was 100 feet down, there was a uh, uh, lot of diamond and a lot of treasury. Every day we walk over it. We never know it. Ignorance. So there is a divinity in you. Have faith in that. And in, in you are asking that, how can I develop faith in myself and faith in God? Please also do some good company. Have a good company. Satsanga. Have a holy company, somebody to talk to, holy things. They will influence you, the holy company will influence your mind in a very subtle but very definite way. And always <coughs> hold yourself, your energies, your time as valuable. Don't waste it. Respect yourself. Once you start respecting, you know in the Indian tradition it is believed, you cannot have faith in yourself until you have faith in God. You cannot have faith in God until you have faith in yourself. Why? Because essentially both are same. What is deep within me and what I call God is actually are same. Not that I am God. This body is not God. But the what is inside me, deep within me, is a divinity. So you can develop faith in yourself by having holy company. And having faith in that there is some substance in me which is really great, which is great in everyone. Stop making comparisons. Don't make any comparison. You may make a comparison in a positive sense that you want to grow. But don't make negative sense. So oh, he has that and I don't have that. He is he and you are you. You are unique. Everyone is unique. You will follow your own path and you will have to attain some goal. And you will have to take it up very seriously. I would also suggest you to read Swamiji's works. Please read it daily. You will find, if you read only for 10 minutes daily, you will find slowly change coming in you. When we care and uh, worry about someone a lot, and uh, he or she is not very wise and uh, trustable in his or her life actions, we feel weak and helpless what to do. Yes, you worry about that person, you should feel for the other if he is not going or she is not going in the right direction. Try to help them as much as possible. But please remember, in your day-to-day -day life you are not God. You can help to a certain point. If he is not able to listen to you, then allow them to go on their own, path, on their own way. You may say, oh, this is being very uh, selfish then become so strong that you can influence that person. You don't have that strength as, as yet. So try to develop that strength. See, uh, we, are, we are not having the strength to change somebody and we are feeling bad about it. We are feeling weak about it. That's true. We are feeling weak about it. So find out why you, you are lacking that, why you are lacking that uh, strength. See, for example, in the Patanjali Yoga Sutra, it is said, the person becomes absolutely established in non-violence, in ahimsa. In his presence, no person can come with violence. He will also lose his violence. It is told of a saint 
um, I think his name was Oriya Baba. He was in Vrindavan. In 1960s, he passed away. There were uh, dacoits from Chambal uh, uh, Valley. They used to come with pistols and guns. But when they come in his presence, they will leave it aside. That violence from their mind will go away. Do you have that strength? Do you have, have you attained that state of mind? You have not attained. So try to improve yourself. Maybe then you can help the person whom you want to help. Maybe seeing your example, that person may change. Helping others, please remember, is not as very simple as we think. You know that funny story of that uh, uh, boy in the class, he was told that we should always help others. And he came late next day. Never you are late. No, I was busy trying to practice what you had told me. And what were you doing? I was making an old woman cross the road. So, no, actually she did not want to cross the road. And then bring her back also, which she did not want to come. Is that the way you want to help others? Please see how much they are open, how much willing they are. Very often it is our wanting to help others is actually an extension of our own ego satisfaction. I want to satisfy myself. Even sometimes good comes from that also, but in the process you may either um, suffer a lot as you are perhaps undergoing or you may develop a better philosophy of life. <coughs> we can develop a better philosophy of life. We can. It's not to be helping the others are waiting to receive our help. They are not wanting to. It is said, na prichet na bruyat. If people do not ask you, don't go and tell. You see, you may be having knowledge, but other person is not interested. Not only that, na na prichet, nyayena prichena tadahi bruya. When they ask you properly, somebody, I, I was once standing on the uh, railway station in Bangalore, on young uh, IT person, he saw me and he saw maybe some Swamiji, okay, he went and uh, he asked me some question about uh, spiritual life and as I was trying to answer, he took out his bottle bottle and now and then he started drinking it. Are you, is it the way to ask a question? Is it the way that you should really will get, gain something from? You will not gain anything. So, when Swamiji was in Thousand Island Park in 1895, he stayed there for two months. There was this lady who had heard about Swamiji's stay in Thousand Island Park. There is this cottage where Swamiji was staying along with some, uh, he was on the first floor and there they were all on the ground floor and she came, she also wanted to become you know, part of what Swamiji was teaching there and she came with uh, two pieces of wood in her hand. Swamiji was so touched because it is given in our scriptures that when you approach a teacher, you should approach Samit Pani, Pani means hand. Samit means that which is used for doing a yajna. Samit is a piece of wood. So it is a sign of humility. With humility I approach. With humility I go and please tell me something. I go and order. Tell me what is spirituality. Tell me what is God. Who will answer you? Even when you are going on the roadside, if a person wants to know an address, he should ask you in a proper way. He will not, hey, tell me where is mechanical department. Nobody will answer you. When that is the case about that, what about spiritual truths? They should be answered in a proper way. 
they should be asked in a proper way, there should be humility, there should be receptivity, openness, willingness. Otherwise, why should I give this to you? You will not value it. You will hear it from someone uh, year and uh, okay, something and go forward. You are not serious about it. So it should be given to a serious person. Similarly, helping others, please see how much they really want help from you. So surely if you are, uh, understand this truth that if they really want help from you, you cannot you see, be, go beyond. If you have that power, if you have become a powerful dynamo of uh, spirituality like Swami Vivekananda or any of the great monks or even saints which India has seen, you will definitely be able to help that person. Please accept that somewhere you also lack it. Otherwise that person would have definitely listened to you. So try to improve yourself. What is the diffi- uh, difference between utilitarian and practical uh, person? See, uh, practical person and the word practical is a very complex word. It's a simple meaning but a very complex word. People think it is very profitable so it is practical. So for example telling lies or cheating is profitable so it is practical. But actually is that the practical? The word practical we all interpret in our own way. For example, uh, an auto rickshaw driver comes, he doesn't see the usage of all these things. For him practice is how many passengers I will get from here going out. So immediate needs when they are uh, met we say it is very practical. But what is practical? You ask this question, it's a very (laughs) practical question. What is practical? So what I believe, if it gets uh, fulfilled, I say it is practical. A shopkeeper thinks certain things are very practical. A politician thinks certain things are very practical. As another person thinks uh, according to his profession or need and uh, whatever he says, this is practical. What is practical? You ask this question. So uh, Swamiji used to tell the story of uh, a person who was actually a leather maker or leather working in the leather work world. So there was a attack in the, on the kingdom and the king called what are the various ways we can overcome this attack. So people started giving different suggestions. Somebody said build a wall, somebody said no, um, dig a big trench around the city and all that. Then this man got up and said nothing like leather. Put every big <coughs> layer of leather around the city, everything will be alright. Because he believed in that. So we all have our own leather. Yeah, nothing like this. This is the best practical thing. So practical you please find out what it is. Swamiji says, truth does not pay homage to any society. Either the society has to live up to truth or it will die. Truth will not pay homage to society. It is the society which has to pay homage to the truth. So practical means this, paying homage to truth. If it means bringing down the truth, that is not practical. That practicality will lead to more and more of strife, more and more conflicts, ending in violence. That is not practical. We have to rise up, not bring the truth down. That is practical, in ultimate sense. When Swamiji spoke of practical Vedanta, it means what? It means my life should be so designed my attitude should be so that I should be able to live those things in my practice. Not the other way around, that I dilute the Vedanta and bring it down. No, I should be able to live in my life. 
that is called practical the word utilitarian which you have referred to well this is a mainly that what is the utility of something of course it's a whole philosophy of its own one another day we can discuss that but basically it means uh, it also stands on some premise and that is somehow man should be happy what we call in our uh, uh, indian darshnik uh, tradition that is called charvakas charvakas are those who say why bother about atman basmi dehasakratasya punaragamana kutaha why all this talk about atman this thing basmi deha this deha is made of only some ashes it will go to ashes why worry about something is beyond that body beyond this that's called utilitarianism charvakas that is eat drink and be merry that's all don't bother your head about anything higher some people say yes it's all right it uh, it seems quite practical that I must become a charvaka please become but if you have little intelligence if you have higher thinking you will find charvaka is actually a very very low stage of power of reasoning unfortunately many people end up there and they build a big philosophy about it they big uh, build philosophy about uh, their weaknesses you know anything can this intellect can be used in any way intellect can be used to defend a murderer or punish him either way there is enough scope for that so it was said that tark apratishthacha you should not even this ultimate truth is not based only on tarka which means reasoning though reasoning is important but reasoning is not the only way there is something beyond because reasoning is also influenced by our likes and dislikes by our desires so first clean the mind in the vedantic tradition it is said if you want to analyze if you want to rationalize first undergo certain discipline and purify the mind then your intellect would be an impartial intellect right now it is not impartial it is already drawn towards something it is already taken a position it is already said yes somehow i must enjoy life it is already taken that but if you really want to understand purify the intellect for that only all these spiritual disciplines were uh, uh, designed that you repeat god's name so that that agraha of the intellect intense wanting no this is this is this truth is only truth that will come down then you will see the clarity of whole thing and then utilitarianism you will laugh at atman spirit soul brahman how do i understand these or uh, are these are all these same in a way that mind and soul in one state your question contains actually um, lot of questions i'll not be able to answer it fully i would suggest you a book um maybe you should read that but i can answer you in a simple way that atman spirit soul brahman what they are etc see we have to take uh, uh, one position then only you will understand it so this is the position uh, the western oriented position or the position of a let's say a, which is very much into sanatan dharma vedic tradition in the vedic tradition we say man contains three realities body mind which is also called as the subtle body or what is called as the sukshma sharira and the third one which is atman we accept body and mind and atman 
In the West, only two are accepted, body and mind. Soul, when they speak of, actually they actually refer to mind. In Swamiji's lecture given in Kumbhakonam, he refers to this point. When he gave lectures from Kolambo Talmora, he mentions this point. That this is a basic one understanding, you make it clear. Then other things may become clear. And that is, Atman, the word Atman means, it comes from a Sanskrit root called At-A-T. At, what you call A-T, at 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 means that which is eternal. There is something in us which is eternal. That is Atman. The word spirit is not the right translation. Actually the word Atman cannot be translated. Because spirit often refers to ghost. There are certain words which cannot be translated. Shraddha is one, Atman is one, Brahman is one. In this you are asking about Brahman. Actually our uh, seers through their purified intellect, they came in touch with the highest reality. They refuse to give any name to that reality. They call it very big. Now what do you call very big in Sanskrit? Brahat. Brahman. Not only very big in size, it is interpenetrating everything. Anoraniyan mahato mahiyan. It is bigger than the biggest, smallest than the smallest. Like the, like the space in which we are living. How big is the space? Or how small is the space? Space is everywhere, inside the classroom, outside the classroom, inside IIT, outside in Chennai, outside Tamil Nadu, outside India, whole world, space only. Oh, is it very big? Ah, it's also very small. It's inside your mouth, inside your stomach, inside the cells. It's very small, space is there. So, the nearest example to Atman is actually space, Akasha. Though it's not, uh, again, it is considered Akasha is also not Atman. It is something lesser than that Atman. They have very systematically investigated the whole thing. So, Atman, Spirit, Soul, Brahman. These four words, how do you understand? Understand means, I would suggest you to <coughs> read a serious book. Swami Vekanda's Jnana Yoga, you please read. You will get a lot of clarity. But in general, this is what you can possibly say. That um, mind and soul in one, yes. Mind and soul is what is generally the Western world. There is also a conflict of stand. You have to take a proper stand. So the Indian stand is this, that there are three realities. Body, mind and Atman. They don't accept that because in their mystic tradition it has not come. Though mystics have experienced it. For example, in the 11th century AD, there was a German mystic by the name Maestro Eckhart. He has spoken of it. But general theology doesn't accept it. Mystics speak of it. Mystic is one who has some experience. He is not just speaking some miracles and things like that. No. Genuine experience. If someone <coughs> wants us to define spirituality, then how can uh, we do that? Each soul is potentially divine. The goal is to manifest this divinity. This is spirituality. Simple. We all have divinity within us. Express it. Its practical meaning is the more spiritual you are, more strong you are, more moral you are. These two things. You will be very morally very strong and you will be very unselfish. That is spirituality. And uh, Swamiji said this is the whole of religion. This expression of the divinity within. Doctrines, dogmas, temples, rituals. These are all secondary details. They are secondary. They are not primary. 
primary thing is are you manifesting the divinity present in you is it important to be pure vegetarian or to be spiritual no but i am not saying that you become non veg non vegetarian these things are actually very relative very relative buddhist monks living let's say in tibet they are all non vegetarian and they are buddhist monks remember that <laughs> buddha taught so much of uh, love for the animals and for our kingdom because there are certain needs of the human body suppose uh, some person takes fish so will he become non spiritual fish is so powerful it can take away all spirituality i am not saying that please take fish no follow what your body body what your body wants to have it but generally speaking vegetarianism is a great help to spiritual life it's a very great help and also what is important is not just what you eat through mouth there are people who are absolute vegetarian but absolutely corrupt they are very uh, they want only you know very pure ghee which they will want to eat and all the pure things they will take and they will do big big scams i don't know how many lakhs of crores so it is not that what you eat through your eyes we are eating sights through mouth we eat food through eyes we eat sight scenes and through ears we eat sound take care of these two special what you see you know gandhi ji's those three monkeys close your eyes to bad and open to that which is good bhadram karne vishnu yam dev it's very simple actually don't see bad sights internet sights also don't see that which is going to invoke animal in you see that which will invoke divinity in you see that here that which will invoke divinity in you. you have a choice making please make good choices you have a choice to put off the internet when something dirty comes you have every choice every right you have every freedom you don't use that freedom and then it all enters into your mind and you complain oh my mind is very restless who is responsible for that you are responsible for that because you have allowed the animal in you to be awakened so what is important is that we gather in ahara means gathering in you know the sanskrit word for food is ahara so we ahara that which is taken in gathered in so please take ahara good ahara through other senses and if it is if you are seriously spiritual life if you are interested vegetarianism is definitely good in the modern society many innocent people are being attacked uh, influenced and uh, suffered by other people how to tackle them or with or with situations <coughs> corrected by them it's a larger issue of how do we solve the problem of misery also problem of evil in life how do you solve the problem of evil evil in society evil in family even in organizations evil in nations how do you what is what is the source of evil and how do you uh, remove it so this is a larger question but i would tell you in a simple way by making more laws you cannot solve it for example these days lot of uh, 
discussion in the public domain is about uh, respect for women which is coming down very much in our country which is exemplified by all kinds of reports every day now you make more stringent laws please do that but that's not going to solve the problem what's going to solve the problem is feed the mind with such thoughts which are pure which are full of respectfulness for others don't look upon others as objects but as living gods that uh, you know it's a very tall order for the entertainment industry entertainment industry seems to thrive on making everything into object everything made into just uh, something which i should enjoy so we have to come out of it look at how much of tv how much of a public sphere thing is filled with suggestions which says that others are only objects to be enjoyed do we give them idea that they are to be respected do we um, glorify the idea of self control we take everybody granted that they don't have any self control and it should be further uh, increased so actual thing is we have to go at the level of education in education itself we must be these things must be made part of it is not that uh, when something goes wrong then it should be set right prevention is better than the cure in fact prevention is the only way and uh, swami ji says in, in chicago lecture that a german uh, a greek uh, traveler had come to india and he is supposed to have remarked i have not seen a country like this where not one man i have met who was cheating or thieving and not one woman who was unchaste that was our country and this has happened some 1000 years back 2 uh, and 1500 years back what happened to us why we have forgotten our own heritage why we are filling our mind with only uh, the lower type of things you have the freedom to think of something higher also you have every freedom but you don't uh, do it so how do you solve that problem of evil problem of evil one of please remember evil cannot be fully removed from this world good and evil is what this creation is about good and evil example darkness and light what is good that which is less evil what is evil is less good very simple because there is nothing in this world you can interpret as good fully absolutely absolutely no this classroom for example do you mean to say a homeless person will say it is a good thing that you have a big classroom like this and what so much space is there you could have made a smaller classroom because he needs it for him it is an evil so from some angle everything can be look <coughs> as evil even sun can be evil for a person who is having an allergy to sun rays <coughs> for everything we can interpret it so problem of evil is a very deep problem try to understand it again i would ask you to please see, uh, read com- uh, the swami ji's uh, gyan yoga you will get lot of answers how to avoid mental uncertainty tell me significance of spirituality in doing this or in this context <coughs> which means indecision indecision is actually a, a descript it's a state of uh, uh, weakness be very decisive which means you have made two things very real to you or three things made very real to you that's why you're indecisive so you'll have to take a decision take a stand if you want to cross a road you have to cross the road 
either be in this side or in the other side. Suppose you stand in between, you will be run over. So a person wanted to cross the road, he went and sat in, uh, in the middle of the road, he said, oh no, 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 I should not. I should not cross the road. He comes back by the time car comes. So take a decision. Stand firm. Spirituality will give you a sense of fearlessness. Why we don't take certain decisions? We are afraid. If I do this, this will happen. Please remember, we do not know every <coughs> implication of all the things before we take a decision. We just don't have it. It is said of, uh, I think, Napoleon that you have um, taken so many armies. You know all the implications and all the battles? He said, no. How much do you know? Only 10%. What about 90%? I just jump into dark. I may succeed, I may not succeed. So somewhere you will have to take some risk. That risk factor you have to accept. And only life will go on. Otherwise, uh, everything is set beforehand and everything is uh, as per my plan. That's not life. Desha Kala Nimitta. That is the definition of life in our scriptures. Which means, it's called Desha Kala Nimitta Parichinna Avrata. Now, I don't, don't want to go into too much of Sanskrit. But then this is what it means. We are consisting of time, space and causation. You are present here means you are not present in your house. If you are present in your house, you are not present here. And you are present now. It means you are not present 100 years back. Or you will not be present 100 years later. So time and space, it limits us. And if you are uh, something, you are not something else. For example, if you are an IIT student, you are not a BA student also. Which means, uh, suppose you are something, suppose this, this book. If this is a book, it means it is not a class. This is called Nimitta. Nimitta means cause and effect. Some cause is there, which has made this certain material into a book. There was a material, this is a material come from, let's say, tree. And the tree, they took out the bar and processed it, made it into paper and then they printed it. Somebody wrote a book and it was published. It's something material. If it is a book, I can convert it to some other book, some other material. Maybe I burn it, and ashes come. But that's a different issue. But right now it is this much. So this Desha Kala Nimitta, we have this kind of limitations in life. Recognizing these limitations, we must take a stand of strength. Do something to which will make you come out of it ultimately. So decision making requires that we should have strength of mind. This is how spirituality helps. That it develops strength of mind. Isn't faith relative? Shouldn't we, we, shouldn't, uh, we be aware of some risks and be a little foresighted? Uh, which is the highest form of spirituality? Accepting life as it flows or constantly striving towards a goal? The last one is actually a basic question. In Sanskrit it is called Purushartha and Kripa. Purushartha means that which you do. Purusha Atyate. I do something. Self-effort. What is important? Should I do self-effort or should let the life go on? This is a very complex uh, issue, but generally speaking, as they say, 
ट्रस्ट इन गॉड बट लॉक योर कार ट्रस्ट इन गॉड हैव ट्रस्ट बट डोंट लीव द कार इन कम अवे नो गॉड विल टेक केयर वाई अटेम्प्ट सम थीफ वाई अटेम्प्ट सम थीफ टू कम एंड ओपन एंड टेक इट लॉक इट सेम वे इन अवर लाइफ डू वॉट एवर बेस्ट यू कैन बट लीव द फ्रूट्स इन द हायर इन द हैंड्स ऑफ ए हायर पावर no as the life comes no you have made some choices you cannot say that as it life comes i you have made some choices and you will make some choices always as long as we have intellect we are making a choice morning you took breakfast it's a choice you may not have taken also you came here this is a choice <coughs> you may have chosen not to come <coughs> so choice making is always happening you cannot say oh, i have no will i have become i'm like a cast away leaf dry leaf god's uh, uh, power is taking me wherever it if you have attained that stage then i think we are we should all leave you are a brahmagyani you have come here you are a great sage so the great sage can attain that stage But generally speaking it is said when it comes to opinion flow with the opinions when it comes to truth stand firm like a rock principle stand firm about principles but when it comes to opinions oh who is going to win is it modi going to win or rahul going to win it's an opinion but <clears throat> whether we as indians have a chance to grow and to become a great nation is a truth i must pursue it somehow i must see that my nation my country comes and this great uh, spiritual heritage and so many other things with this nation this civilization has produced it should be brought to its rightful conclusion or it should be given the uh, respect it, it deserves so these are truths we must stand firm on that again shruti and smriti is said in the beginning shruti is that which never changes smriti changes that you should go to temple let's say now you rather you should seek god that is shruti whether you may go to temple you may not go to temple is smriti this is changeable like for example weather and uh, and uh, uh, say climate there are two words there are two different words many people uh, interchange them climate of a person is a sum total of all the seasons that are present in a place that's a climate season or weather is a present situation in that uh, how is the weather there how is the, oh, it's very hot if you say how is the climate there's a wrong english if 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 you are asking for the climate which means the whole climate all the 12 months how is the climate in madras oh it's always hot then suppose somebody calls up <coughs> from shimla in the month of november and says it's very cold here how is chennai if somebody actually did call me like that i said in chennai we don't have any concept of cold the climate is such there is no concept of cold now is the cold because you are not using fan that's all the cold you can't be like in shimla you have to wear several layers of warm clothing and sit there so climate and weather likewise there are some things in life which need not change so your purushartha what i can do self effort make right choices keep dharma in view and make the right choices and depend on the lord which means some things do not go your way actually one of our moms used to say 
God is like a shock absorber. You know, in a vehicle, you will have a shock absorber. There will be bumps. Suddenly, we have what's called road breakers or speed breakers or vehicle breakers. You are going, suddenly it will break. If there is no shock absorber, your vehicle will be damaged. So, God is a shock absorber. Faith in God. But there is, God is with me. That higher power is with me. That will help me. It will take away many of my uh, you know, shocks which will come to me. That's a better way of saying that, oh, I have left everything for God. If you have attained that, it's called perfect self-surrender. As I said in the beginning, there will be absolutely no your own will left. You can only say, I depend more and more on the Lord. Actually, it's a very practical thing. The other day, someone had come from Germany and he was mentioning, he says, very often I face situation which fills me with fear, whatever reason. So what helps me is depending on that there is a higher power looking after me. That gives me a great sense of uh, uh, relief, a great sense of strength. If it is helping him, what is wrong in that? Let him have it. You may be uh, saying, what should I do it? See if you are in that state, please do it. And as to the first one, faith is relative. Yes. Uh, faith is relative in the sense the strength of the faith, how intensity, how much of intensity is there, and uh, some risks are involved in life, and you can't help it. You have to accept it. Some people have a lot of uh, faith in the risk. It's all right. I will see what will happen. And in fact, those people grow. Those people never take risks in life. They don't grow. They may be very safe, but they don't grow also. Now, taking risks in what? Does it mean that I take one uh, flag and stand there and say I am belonging to this party, world should change? Not like that. There also some brain should be used. Why should I do that? Something which has no value. You every day <coughs> read, say, Swami Vivekananda's works. You dare live spiritual life in the midst of your friends who are not interested in it. That's also a risk. You take a risk. My friends are not interested. My friend circle is least bothered about this thing. But I take a risk. That's a very great risk. What is that risk? That I have faith in myself, faith in God, faith in the goodness of human beings. There's also a risk. Everybody is talking only dark. No, no, nothing. All India is gone, all corruption. But you take a risk. You have heard of Emerson, Ralph Waldo Emerson. He was an American. He was uh, some years before Swamiji. He passed away. So, uh, he, he belongs to a... Uh, kind of people called transcendentalists who believe in the transcendental reality. They were Americans, a number of them, uh, Walt, that is, Emerson was there, Thoreau was there, some others were there. So Emerson says in one of uh, his essays, used to be read by the English students earlier, now it's all stopped. His one essay is there, where he says, <coughs> a man can live after his opinion, which means according to his opinion. He can live after his opinion if he is alone. What time I will get up, what time I will do things, this is my belief, etc. I can do because nobody is going to come and ask me. Or you can live after others' opinion when you are in a crowd. Suppose you go on an NCC camp. Uh, you have to get up at this time, this time is a parade, this time all those things you have to do, you have to follow it. But, he says, the real person is one who can live after his opinion in a crowd. Your opinion. Which means, so much of conviction you have, clarity you have, 
you don't become a misfit in the society you don't become a burden to society but you follow the path which you have taken anyone be it you know achiever be it uh, mr abdul kalam in today's time or earlier days they were all people who have decided to live after their opinion in a crowd others will say what you are doing you know if you start little spiritual life and little serious thinking immediate reaction would be people may ridicule you they may oppose you they may actually tease you why because they don't believe it is right and they will ask you to follow their and if you don't follow they actually sometimes create trouble but if you persist you persist a time comes when they get so humbled down if you don't follow your spiritual practice they come and invite they come and remind you and what happened you are not doing meditation these days why because they were deriving their strength from you and suddenly you are not following it so remember these are different stages of our uh, social life the last question which book should i start reading <coughs> from level 0 nice in context of spirituality apart from daily meditation begin with karma yoga of swami vivekananda it's a very small book karma yoga it's there it's available on the wiki commons also you can download it also or you can buy it from the mat that's all for today so we'll meet the next sunday have any announcements last week some of you asked for some people some people had given names yeah. we are having four extra copies of this company and the other book which i made a reference to that is uh, you will be a paramahamsa the story of two monks if anybody is interested they can let us know we'll get that for you thank you some of the prasad is there please take it